0: Today's scripture reading comes from Luke, the 15th chapter, starting with verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you,
1: You know, I'm privileged to have this opportunity to share with you today, and I was pleased that, that uh, Pastor Ken asked me uh, to share. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not unused to speaking, although as I was getting ready for this, I'm reminded of all the work the pastors put in every week. I mean, I pastored for a number of years, but you forget after a while, right? And you're sitting there going, "Oh, why didn't he mention this? And why didn't that happen?" And then you're asked to do it, and you go, "Oh, yeah, that's right." You know, it takes a lot to put this together, and you realize you're going to miss some things, and you have to keep to what was it? An hour and 15, I think, is what we said, right? So we got to keep it short. You know, I'm used to it now. I've been teaching, or had been teaching, for a number of years. I still teach sessional work uh, every year, so I continue to do that. And often I have uh, three-hour night classes, so you're expected to keep going for three hours straight. So I'm used to that. So I'll I'll shrink it down today as much as I can. no, Actually, I, I realize there's a note at the top here about completing the service, which helps out the children's ministry. We need to keep in mind right now, all those kids that were in here with all that energy and you were trying to control it now, they're all in one or two or three rooms and some few people are trying to manage them on their own. Uh, and so pray for them. Don't even listen to me. Just pray for them now and, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to keep that, that time frame. Um, anyhow, I... I, I, I had talked briefly with pastor ken about you know sort of sharing from my life story and and at some point i would like to do that with you today i'm just i'm planning on on speaking uh from the passage that was just read uh, from luke chapter 15 uh and i had sort of come to the conclusion and, and committed to uh to speaking on this and, and done some work on it, and I'm going to tell you where it all started, but let me just say this first. So, as I'm working on it, I've committed, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and, you know, put, invest time in it, and then as I'm telling Pastor Ken, as I'm emailing him and saying, here's the title and stuff, I realize, wait a minute, I remember uh, that not that long ago, within the last number of months, um, and as you get older, you know, not long ago, it could have been the last 10 years, so let's say the last year, somewhere in there, and it's hard to remember, there's so much that goes on in life. Uh, he spoke on this passage. Does anyone remember that? He spoke and he talked actually about, talked about the younger son, he talked about the father, and he talked about the older son. He went through each one in, in detail. Um, and then I realized, oh, now I've committed to doing this and uh, it's going to look like I'm going to try and correct Pastor Ken. And although he's not here, you know he's going to be listening to this later. So let's just, he did an amazing job, didn't he? Uh, Well, no, it's actually he did Uh, and whenever I hear Pastor Ken and Pastor Norbert speak, it's always a pleasure uh, And we need to appreciate what they do as as a congregation have two men who can complement each other and how they approach the scripture and their their unpacking of it um, In different and complementary ways and that's essentially what I'm doing today What I was I hadn't been thinking about his and thinking we need to correct something He said I just been thinking of one, one aspect of this this passage Um, And then that led to me sort of digging down into it. And the beauty of Scripture is, uh, you know, you can talk for an hour and 15 minutes, and there's still more to be said, even on a a passage that's only a number of verses long, such as this. In fact, in some of my classes, there have been times when uh, we got stuck on one word for an hour and a half time period. And when we're done... You know, people want to keep going, and uh, I never wanted to be that person who, you know, at the end of the New Testament course, you're saying, "Okay, well, in in Matthew five, uh, you know, and you're supposed to have gotten all the way through to the Revelation." Uh, and I had a few profs like that over the years who get caught in the detail, and, and I've always tried to move move it along. Um, so, but there's always something to 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 dig down, and even after I'm done today. For, you'll probably have more questions than I'm not going to give you any answers. I'll just give you more questions, probably. Uh, and that's great. If it encourages you to dig down and think and, and study, uh, you, you do that. Uh, uh, my wife is currently reading through the Bible, and is it through a year program? Uh, and I've done that a, a number of times, and it's a great way to do it. And, but it's also good occasionally to stop, and, and you can spend, spend a whole year on one passage. It's amazing what stuff will just keep coming up. You know, come back to it every month and, uh, and revisit it. And it's amazing the new things you can discover as you experience life, as you're praying, as you're reading about it. Um, and what I want to highlight in this passage um, today, uh, sorry, I, didn't, I don't know what we have up uh, on the slides here. We had any slides yet? Okay, so the, let me just talk briefly about the title. The title for the summer is Going All Out. And so, in, in light of that, uh, you know, I, that summer theme, I entitled this one, Enjoying the Fullness of Life. And it is about that. It's about, from this passage, learning to, to go all out in terms of our experience of what we actually have around us, the fullness of life uh, that's around us. And I'll explain more about that in just a minute. But what I'd like to focus on is... What I'm going to highlight... And it's going to take a little while to get there... Because I'm a, I'm a teacher now... Uh, is verse 31. And verse 31 said this... Son, you are always with me... And all that is mine is yours. And to me, this is where I draw this idea... Of, of, uh, of enjoying the fullness of life. Uh, something that's reminded in this passage. However, to get there... Uh, we have to work through some, through, through some things. Now, normally... When people approach this passage, and Pastor Ken didn't do that. As I told you, he went through each character and talked about the details of them. But often when we read this and when we think about it, we relegate the older son to the periphery. Uh, And perhaps for good reason, because in some ways the the highlight is on the younger son. He's the one who leaves, he's the one who returns, uh, and he's often described as what? What's the title to the son? The prodigal son. Uh, Can anyone tell me what prodigal means? Uh before you answer that, I, 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 I like feedback. I see you, you've you got it set up here, so we can't really wander or we uh, fall off the edge here, although I do like to wander. But let me just tell you, my daughter, who's, who's over here, she said to me, this was a number of months ago, I don't even know why, she said, what, what does prodigal mean? I think we were in the car. It wasn't just to me. you know. And I, I'm thinking, well, I don't... I don't ever remember reading a def- definition in the dictionary, but I have a good idea, you know. It's in the Bible and, you know, occurs there. The prodigal returns, the prodigal son, you know, we have all these phrases. And so I think, well, I said, you know, it's something like, uh, you know, someone who, who, uh, messes up their life but then returns back home. Uh, you know, and that's the sense we have, right? And she says, no, that's not what it means and that just got me thinking that's actually what prompted me to think about because i thought well uh, you know that 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 is what it means and so i looked up in the dictionary and uh i was right Uh, that is a definition that's given in the dictionary but that doesn't mean it's right in fact in the encarta dictionary it defines this as spending parental money wastefully but returning home to a warm welcome isn't that beautiful that's not a definition of prodigal. That's a, now, what that means is as we've begun to use it in our society based on its, uh, its title in this passage, as we use it in our society, uh, we've come to use it in that way. And that's why that was the definition in my head, because that's how it's been used. But first of all, and I see uh, some people with, with uh, real Bibles, and I brought my real Bible with me here today. Usually I have, you know, my fake Bible, I call it, you know, here. And I, I do like the fact that as I get older I can do this and it gets bigger where this one doesn't. <sighs> and I don't have my reading glasses, so sometimes I wonder why I brought this. Um, you know, sorry, I, I, uh, I, I digress there. Uh, spending parental money wastefully but returning home to warm welcome. Uh, prodigal doesn't actually occur in here. And if you've got your Bible, you've probably already noted that. It's, not, it's just a title someone put on it to describe this passage. And sometimes those are helpful but oftentimes those are dangerous because they sort of mislead us and we begin to think about you know, the story or something in one way. And that's kind of what happened here. And then the prodigal, the title, which actually means extravagantly wasteful. The extravagantly wasteful son. That's the title of, of that if you want to change prodigal to what it means. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean someone who spends stuff and then comes back and gets hugged by their dad. Uh, that's part of what happens in the story, but that's not what prodigal means. Um, and, uh, you know, perhaps either change the title or just take it out. And, and remember that at the start of it, it, it says this, a man had two sons. Uh, so ultimately, the story of the second son is there. We just often miss it or go past it. Um, and so I want to highlight some things, especially verse 31 in relation to that the older son right, and also the older brother. Um, but to do so, we need to talk a couple of things about the other characters in, in similar ways that Pastor Ken did. But I want to highlight things uh, in a different way. Sometimes there's a corrective. And the corrective isn't necessarily all the truth. Just remember that. I'm just highlighting something to, to help us rethink about this. And so the, the part with regard to the younger son, I've entitled The Abhorrent Actions of the Younger Son. That's a good, some good alliteration in there. Abhorrent. That's a great word, eh? Take prodigal out because it makes him, with our definitions, he sounds like a nice guy. The Abhorrent Actions of the Younger Son. And it's true that his actions are the focus of this parable. But what often happens? We already know this parable as it was started reading. Probably most of you are going, "Oh yeah, yeah, the parable of the prodigal son." Uh, You already knew what was coming. And the problem with that is when Jesus told these stories, uh, he didn't tell them with people knowing what was to come, right? So they had there were certainly emotive reactions. People got angry. They got upset. They got confused. When he told these stories, and we read it, and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, we know he's going to be a bad boy, but he's going to return, and his dad's going to celebrate him, and his dad's going to tell his older son how bad he is for not appreciating that his younger son is back. The end, right? Uh, and we're done. This is a great guy, we think, but it's not. Um, his actions were abhorrent. Uh, and some of the reasons we miss that is the story is told in a different culture than ours. Right, it's a story uh, in a different culture and arts, and so we miss seeing what what irresponsible decisions he made, because we miss many of the cultural cues given in this parable. Uh, And this parable was told in the context of ancient Judaism and of Greco-Roman society. Now I know I say that, and you suddenly your eyes glaze over. Oh, great, glaze over. He's going to go into you know ancient stuff, and we're going to get bored here. Well, hopefully you don't find ancient stuff boring, because the Bible is is packed, if you will, in that context. And, and the more we know about that, the more we're excited about learning some of those things, the more we better understand the message of the Bible and what it is that, that we can learn in our context, even if the packaging looks different. Um, and so a lot, of the, a lot of the elements we don't have in our society, and so we just sort of gloss over, oh yeah, he yeah, he, he headed off. Uh, but in many ways, he is pictured here based on the disparaging caricature of the younger brother or younger son in that society. The younger brother or younger son is de- described as lazy, as irresponsible, and as greedy. This was how it was a caricature. You know what a caricature is? You just, you present someone in only a certain light. That was a societal caricature of the younger son. So Jesus is building on this. He's holding up this caricature to everyone and saying, look, let me tell you a story about this guy, the lazy, irresponsible, and greedy son. Uh, and this son, in the, in the story that's told, he's extremely presumptuous. And he's close to disrespectful of his father when he demands his share of the inheritance prior to his father's death. I mean, that the father had the right to give that, and we'll, we can talk about that, uh, is true. But to, for him to come to his father and initiate it and, and essentially demand that he wants his money now, I know you're not dead. I can't wait till you're dead. Just give me my money. Uh, is sort of what you you want to hear here. Uh, you know, very disrespectful, especially in in that context. Um, he demonstrates, as one commentator has described, as uh, he describes uh, demonstrates a shocking breach of familial ties or family ties in terms of how the story is heard by the first people hearing it. They hear about this guy and they're starting to hate him. He is irresponsible and greedy and abhorrent. Uh, and all of those those terms that you can label him with. Uh, he demands his early inheritance. He abandons his family in, in, the, in the telling of the story. Um, he lives like a Gentile and he squanders his resources in very, very inappropriate ways. Right? And we actually get that picture later on. I mean, this is truncated... We hear about the prostitutes from the older brother. Now, you got to think, well, how did he know about this? Like, were they sending letters back and forth? Uh, that's the beauty of these stories. You don't actually know how the details came to be there. We just need to know that that's what's being told and then gain what we can from that. But in those details, we learn that, that his behavior was very inappropriate. Uh, and we d- learn that as it, as it goes on when it starts talking about pigs and how, as I describe and we can put some of the pictures up there. Uh. <coughs> put the first one up for a bit and we'll look at that. But I describe in this way. Uh, He has to, to end up living in pig feces for a while before he considers returning to his family. Now, let me repeat that. He has to consider lying or living in pig feces for a while. He doesn't end with his money and then get offered a job feeding pigs, which again, from his context as a Jewish person, is extremely abhorrent. They're unclean animals. You're not supposed to even touch the cooked meat much less be dealing with them uh, you know, when they're running around rooting and, and snorting and all that sort of stuff that pigs do. Uh, my son think pigs are, thinks pigs are cute, so I have to be careful here. At least those little ones, little pot-bellied pigs. Um, but he doesn't decide then. He, he's, he's, he sort of has to live in this muck and mire. Let's put the second picture up there now. He has to live in this for a while before he finally goes, wait a minute, he's starving, he's hanging out with these pigs, and it takes him a, a little while to come to his senses as it describes. So you, you need to understand this guy was completely mired in his behavior, the, the sort of life that he was leading, his rejection of his family. He thought he was leaving them, renouncing them, and going on to live a life that he'd always wanted to live one that was free of all these constraints in which he could enjoy the good things in life uh, and have fun uh, or whatever it was that he was describing. And it takes him a while living in this kind of context before he goes, wait a minute my dad's servants live better than this. Now, he knows he's rejected his family. He, he, he recognizes that behavior as well. That's why he says, well, how am I going to do this? I guess I'll have to go back and say, I'm not worthy to be your son uh, because I rejected all of that. Uh, but, but you know, please let me live as your, as your servant because uh, it's better than this. And it takes him a while. I, I mean, I think I would, I would wake up pretty quickly if I looked at that. And I thought, really? You know, often some of the stories we talk about, it doesn't tell us where he slept, but we just talk about him sleeping with the pigs and and snuggling up them to keep warm at night. You know, I've heard different sermons that that remind us of of those things. Um, The younger son reminds us there are plenty of people in the world who make similar life decisions. That's what the whole point of the parable is. There are people who make very, very wrong decisions, who mess up their lives, who mess up the lives of those around them, and sadly, many of those people do not come to their senses. Right? There isn't, not everyone who leaves and decides that they're just going to enjoy life to the fullest as they perceive it uh, comes to their senses and realizes the mess they make of their life and the lives of those around them. And perhaps you know some people who are like that. Perhaps you are working with people who have lives like that. Uh, And that's the point of this parable. It's first to let you know that this is a horrible, horrible thing. But um, that context, realizing that that not everyone returns, that this story is unusual, helps us to understand the actions of the Father and those I have described as compassionate, uh, the compassionate actions of the Father. Sometimes the Father is seen by people Directly or indirectly, that is, they might directly think, oh, the Father's compassion makes me think this, or indirectly. We just, we tend to sort of assume certain things. Uh, that it's a license to live however we want before we decide to repent of our ways. And I put repent in quotes because, you know, if that's the kind of approach, it's not repentance as is described here. Um, you know, so I, I can just live however I want and then I'll, I'll, you know, go to the Father and I'll say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, can I have everything back that I that I abandoned? Uh, as if it's that easy. We, we we make these these sort of assumptions. Uh, not all of us. This is a, a, a generalization, and, and probably most here don't. But there is that societal perception that you just can. You know, all you need to do is do whatever you want, and then you can. Then you ask for forgiveness. You know, and, and some people live that way. So sort of like, I'll do whatever I want, then I'll say I'm sorry, and then I'll do whatever I want, and I'll say I'm sorry. Uh, and that's not what this parable is meant to be, uh, to be highlighting. The father's behavior counters a lot of, of uh, Greco-Roman or societal concepts of the father, who's often perceived of as an authoritarian figure uh, who's not to be messed with. Right? He's, he's, uh, the father in that society, uh, there are different terms, and I could go into those, and uh, you know, I know you want me to, uh, but I'm, I'm going to re- re- refrain from that. Uh, and he does a number of things, even the splitting of his son 's inheritance early is something that is not usual behavior he has the right to do it, but it 's actually very unusual that he would that he would give in to these kind of demands. Um, running to meet his returning son is something huge to, to find uh, in this societal context an older person to go running in the first place, much less to meet a younger person who has behaved, is completely backwards according to society so we also need to realize that this parable is turning upside down people's concepts of a father and what does it mean to to uh, to talk about a father Uh, and then embracing him and kissing him he doesn't just you know shake his hand son's good to see you he embraces him and he kisses him lots is sort of how it might be described uh, if we were to you know sort of dig down into the text a little bit um This can give the impression that all we have to do is come back and say we're sorry and daddy's going to come running and say, oh, it's so glad you came back and you know all is forgiven. Um, let me ask some questions in light of this father's behavior. Does anyone remember the t- previous two parables before here? Does anyone know there, there are two parables? And this is, this is fit within that context. I recognize that even if we don't have time to unpack it all here today. There's the parable of the lost sheep. And the parable of the lost coins, the lost sheep, I'll just summarize that. And lost coins is very similar. Man has 100 sheep, he loses one, he leaves the 99 and goes in search of the one. You know, when people are going, what? He leaves the 99 all alone? What could happen? Why is he in search of the one? And the whole point of that is he's so concerned about each one. Not just, He's concerned about every one of the 99, but also the one who is lost. And so it's in this context that the parable is told. But let me ask you this as we think about the father, these questions. Why did the father not seek out the younger son? It, it's, it, it, in this story it's told, when he sees him coming, it says he had compassion on him. It doesn't say the father was distraught and finally left all of his stuff and went out to the far country and searched for his son in amongst pig feces. Uh, you know, that sort of desperate digging and searching and where is my son and, and going into areas that he, he should never be seen. That doesn't occur in this story. And we need to remember that. Why didn't he leave this, Leave everything that he had to find this loss son? Why doesn't it parallel the other parables? Well, I think because it's emphasizing something the same but also something different. Uh, and that's why the story it, itself is different. Uh, in that in those it just deals with the lost ones it doesn't actually talk much about the he doesn't come back and then do an interview of the 99 sheep so can you tell me uh when the shepherd left and left you guys all alone how did that feel you know mic in your face you know uh, you, you've been watching olympics lately I'm, I'm 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 mimicking that a little bit uh you know as soon as you're done you got a mic in your face and a camera right there and and uh how did that feel to lose that race you've worked your whole life for this uh how do you feel now oh, terrible. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, uh, we don't get that interview uh, of them, but we do get the interview uh, here. Uh, But let me just say that in this story, as we're finishing up with the father, the father didn't respond till the son genuinely came to his senses. In other words, he had to really recognize and turn his life around to repent and and head back home before the father was able to to reach out in compassion. He, wouldn't have re- re- he could have traveled all the way there and put his arm around his son and lay beside him in the pig feces, uh, and his son would have just said, you know, blank you, dad, get out of here. I told you I didn't want anything to do with you. Uh, why, he had to come to that on his own. He had to see where his life was. He had to recognize uh, and, and, and seek the father out, uh, and only then was there an opening. But anyhow, this, this perception uh, reminds me of a Billy Joel song, this Perception of the Father. And so we can put that Billy Joel song up. Anyone, uh, do, do I, I put the title up there? I think it's on the next slide. Uh, yeah, Only the Good Die Young. Who, who knows that song? Who likes that song? It's got a good tune, but if you know what it's about, you know, and I, I know what it's about, but I'm only going to focus on, on, on this passage here. But it, it, it reflects some of the societal perceptions that there are. Uh, so Billy Joel in the song say, "They say there's a heaven for those who wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. Uh, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun, right? And that's the perception that that, that we have that you know, uh, you know, living that sort of life is is uh, uh, you know just just have fun. And then if you if you want to repent at the end, fine, do so. But but don't live that boring, horrible life." Uh, of the good christian uh, that's not fun and waiting for heaven when everything's going to be great and in fact this parable uh denounces all of that if we if we read it and and continue through it uh, but what we need to remember though as we go through this that is that a life based on stupid decisions and self-centeredness usually is a trap that is often difficult to break out of right so this idea of all oh, just i'll just have fun and then i'll come to my senses uh, you may not. Many people don't, unfortunately. Many people can't. They're struggling, uh, but they, they've mired themselves in, in certain things that that now impact the rest of their lives. I mean, that's the nature often of of, of uh, living a life of, of fun or, or whatever the case might be. Uh, it can leave painful scars that, that sometimes never fully heal, even though there is a father who will come and embrace you uh, you know when you're when you're ready. Now let's turn our, our attention to the to the uh, the older son, and I, I describe his actions as reliable. The reliable actions. I, I went through all kinds of, of uh, descriptors and, and ended up with that. I, I had to keep it short. You know, I had these long titles, uh, and I decided to, to shrink them. Um, I call this reliable, but listen to what one commentator says about uh, this son. He says, uh, as he starts into this part of the, of the passage, here is someone who is completely self-righteous. And what did I put up there? Really? Or what? Hey, have a look at it. Have a look at that passage uh, when you get a chance. It's, it's, there's no self-righteousness there doesn't say well and then the self righteous son you know was uh you know getting his fingers and toes done by the his servants and uh you know and he said what my brother's returned uh you know I don't care I'm special uh you know you don't get any of that in there and yet that's often how he's read even by commentators now I know why it's read there and we could talk about that uh you know if we had time but I'm trying to to sort of refocus us for a minute And in some analyses of this this parable, that's true, right? In in some ways, this parable, if we step back, when Jesus is telling it, he is talking to people who are self-righteous. There is a message for them. And so this person does represent that in some ways. But in the story itself, it's not there. And so we just need to spend some time with the story itself. The problem with such designations is it twists the parable and it paints the Older son in an inappropriate light. So that when you, when we read this, we think, younger son, oh, he was bad for a while, but he's good. Older son, he's an idiot. Right? And he, and his dad has to come outside and, and smack him upside the head to correct him, is, is sort of how this story is read. And it's not the way it is. The younger son's the idiot. The older son is not. And that's how the, the, the story is read. So, uh, again, a question to ask you. Where was the son? when his younger brother was returning. I want to recall? I see some real Bibles here. He was out working. He's coming in from the fields. I mean, they've already started the party. He was working late. He was probably dirty and exhausted. He had been working late. Uh, he, even though he had been given his share of the inheritance, and if you were to jump back to verse 12, you'd realize the dad gave both of them their money. Here's your money, son. Here's your money, son. And he probably got at least twice as much as the younger son because he was the older. At least if we base it on, you know, traditional customs, etc. Although those are not necessarily being completely followed in this, in this passage. He's got all this money that's been given to him. And he's out working in his father's business, making sure it's running, making sure things are flowing. In fact, think about it this way. If he weren't doing what he were doing... The younger son would have had nothing to come back to. He wouldn't be able to go, oh, I'll just go back to my dad. He has food there. Well, where does he think the food comes from? How are all these servants and everyone in that, in that larger family being fed? He's out working in the fields, making sure things are being done. Right? And we miss all that when we read the story. But it, it, the, the original hearers are going to hear that. The p- people listening to it have been out working in their fields uh, and then they hear this story. Yeah, the one guy went off and blew all his stuff away and did, hor- lived a horrible life. The other guy's out working the fields. They go, that's the good guy. That's what every listener to that story is saying. That's the good guy. Um, not the other way around. That's how it was first heard. He's the hardworking one. He's the reliable um, brother. He's consistent... He's reliable. He's hardworking. He's the one who can be depended upon. And none of that is negated in this passage. And I apologize to uh, r- running the slides here because uh, it doesn't always match exactly what I'm saying, but they're doing a great job following that. <clears throat> and for those who first heard the story, as I said, he's the one who who, who stands out. He does, however, and that's what, what gets corrected here. He does, however, need to sort of shift his perspective a little bit in two areas. And the first one is his view of his brother. And that is true. He does need to change that. Not that his brother... Would, he, he, he can probably... If he had said, my brother was stupid, the father would have said, you're right, he was. That's not the point, as, it, as the story is being told. Um, but holding a grudge against his brother who has messed up his life in a major way, came to the realization of that and, and, and came back willing to just take whatever was there for him. Uh, and it's at that point that is, he needs to be corrected and said, whoa, whoa, wait wait a minute. And that's where these other parables fit in. Wait a minute, he just came back. You know how many people who are lost and don't come back? You know how many people mess up their lives and they, they never get it corrected uh, and they, they stay lost? He was lost. He was dead to us. He rejected his family. But he's come back, the father says. So he's trying to correct his perspective. You're right. The guy was an idiot. But that's not told in the parable because, you know, that's not the point he's trying to make necessarily, uh, you know, to the brother. What he's doing is reminding him, yeah, you're right. He was lost, right? That lost encapsules all of the stupidity that we talked about with the younger brother. But he's not anymore. He's not doing that anymore. He's trying to come back and reconcile with us, and that's the perspective that needs to change. At that point, that's where the younger brother, you know, I, I, uh, the younger brother or the older brother needs to recognize that his grudge against his younger brother is inappropriate at that point in time. And secondly, he needs to change his view of himself, and that's where verse 31 comes into play. And we'll look at that in just a second. In this description, if you read it, you realize he describes himself as a slave. Father, I have slaved for you. I've been like a slave, not even a son. Uh, and his father reminds him that he can and should enjoy all that he has. Nothing has ever been withheld from him. He's the guy who gets this perspective of no one ever gives me anything and I work hard all the time. Well, well that's his own perspective. He's kind of gotten lost in his hard work and lost in his, his reliability. And now he's thinking, I'm reliable, nobody else is reliable. And uh, why doesn't anyone pay attention to my reliability? And the father says, okay, you need to correct how you're viewing others and you need to correct how you're viewing yourself. It's true, he wisely didn't squander his inheritance that he was given. But he also obviously did not stop to appreciate everything that he had in front of him and that 's what verse where verse thirty one comes back into play here if we can slip to that that uh, slide, and that will be our, our the, the last one I, I had some others to, to look at another parable that parallels this. I was going to do it quickly, but i 'm going i 'm going to skip over that uh, let 's just let 's just talk about some summary items here. We need to remember those people are working with your kids right now, uh, and every week we hear announcements of new births, so there 's got to be a thousand in there by now I think. Let me just, let me just, I'm not, let me not talk about you. Let me talk about me for a minute. Sometimes I can resonate with the older brother. I feel like the older brother. You know, you're reliable and you're hardworking, you're consistent. Sometimes you bring your head up and you look around and you say, wait a minute. Not everyone's like this. How come not everyone is appreciating all of these things? Uh, right? And you lose perspective in that. And that's what this parable does for us. The parable of the older brother reminds us that, that we, it reminds him, you've got a full life in front of you. You've got all these wonderful things. And people who are consistent and hard working and dependable, they, they have people around them who will probably do anything for them. But they're too busy working to even stop and take time with them or, or, you know, whatever the case might be. You know, and, I, and again, we're generalizing. And if you're in the midst of struggles right now, I'm not saying you oh, ought just, forget everything. Life's great. It's wonderful. It's peachy. The parable doesn't do that. It just reminds you that when your perspective gets a little out of whack, when you start uh, feeling like those who who are forgiven, uh, even though they've been horrible people, they shouldn't be because I've, uh, you know, and that's what that other parable was. Uh, Turn to Matthew 20, not now, but sometime and read that parable uh, as well in light of what some of the things that I've said today. Um, So, maybe you can relate as well uh, maybe you are consistent and hard-working and, de- and dependable and the, this is meant to be an encouragement not a guilt sermon if you're if you're getting guilt from this get rid of it um, if there was guilt from i misread this a little bit that's okay i'm joking um, but like with that the whole point of this is we need to just stop and realize that if we're, we're looking, going, well, I've been working hard, and we'll probably, you'll probably, if you don't experience it now, you will experience it at some time in your life. Uh, you know, giving to things and serving people and helping out. Those are all wonderful things, and this passage doesn't negate it. It just says that when you're doing that, don't stop and go, well, sh- well, she's not doing anything right now. You know, how come you said hello to her and not to me? Uh, right, we start losing perspective. When people are hurting or have needs or cared for, and you start feeling like, well, why are they looking at them? Uh, when, when you and I start thinking, uh, you know, oh, I'm just like a slave and I'm working hard, well, then you need to, you need to take some time and, and enjoy the fullness of life and look around you and realize that, there, that God has given you many, many good things. Don't think about the bad things then. Focus on the things that you do have. And probably realize, oh, this isn't always helpful, so it's a, it's a, but, but realize that, that the people you're probably begrudging probably don't have half the things that, that you do if you were really to step back and look at them. Uh, things that matter, things that are valuable, and so today, as you enjoy brunch with friends and family, think about uh, these people around you that you have um, because of who you are. Because you're consistent and hardworking and dependable and reliable, uh, you have people around you that can enjoy it. Spend the day, go on a picnic with some family today or something, uh, and just enjoy the things you have or whatever whatever it is that that, that you resonate with. Is just a reminder to stop for a minute and. Do a little perspective shift uh, and realize that there's a fullness of life that we can enjoy that's out there for us all the time. And let's do that.